Let's pray before I read. Father God, we thank you that you have given us your word so that we can know you and learn more about you. We pray as we read that you would speak into our hearts and minds and that you would help Ed to explain this passage to us clearly in order that we might know you better and become more like you. Amen. So uh, today's passage is from 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and I'm reading from verses 16 to 21 and that's on page 1162 Church Bibles. So from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Oh, good morning, everyone. Do keep that passage open. Uh, I don't know about you, but I'm feeling pretty uh, worn out last night. Our dog managed to eat an entire chocolate bar. So it was wired, and then the fireworks had it. It worked out how to open the uh, gate to get upstairs, and so it was jumping on the children's beds, even at, at the half 12, waking them up. So I'm feeling a little bit short on energy. I don't know how you're feeling this morning, but we've got some really exciting uh, theological cup of coffee for you. We're starting a bit of a series uh, in a number of uh, different topics that we will do this time of year. We'll do a couple of thematic talks um, before uh, we get into some Old uh, Testament uh, narrative. I'm trying to remember what the other ones are. We're, uh, after this one, we're going to be doing um, holiness, uh, and then we're going to do giving, uh, when we've got Cap Sunday uh, coming up before we get into uh, Women of Faith uh, at the end of January. So it's part of a little series. We're thinking about new beginnings this week, holiness next week, and then giving uh, the week after. So do be praying for us. Uh, as we go over those topics together over the next few weeks. Uh, but let me pray uh, for us now as we think about new beginnings as we start a new year. Uh, Lord, we thank you that your spirit is indeed at work in us and can do immeasurably more uh, than all we could ask or imagine. And Lord, that is pretty big. And so we ask that you would do immeasurably more in our hearts this morning as we come to your word and as I read... Help our tired uh, brains and hearts, um, perhaps our distracted hearts and minds, to focus on this good news that we have for us here, that we might go out today in confidence that we are already part of your new creation. 
Amen. So that's what we're thinking about this morning, is new beginnings, it's the new year, it's new stuff everywhere. Um, there's lots of hope, isn't there, as all the big fireworks go off and um, the amazing sort of pictures of things being projected on buildings as the old year is swept away and a new one comes in and a new one's always glossy and shiny, isn't it? Uh, we've got lots of uh, uh, New Year's resolutions get made. Um, it's a good opportunity just to, spe- just to push the spiritual reset button a little bit as we slightly join in with that, but in a very different way. Why do you want to listen to this this morning? It's because Jesus' aim is for us to have life to the full. That's what he says in John 10.10, 10, I've come so that they may have life and they may have it to the full. Uh, and there is a fight going on for our minds and for our hearts with uh, lots of other idols and other things that do not want us to have life to the full. And so it's good just to stop and take a moment and reflect and to think. Um, Yeah, if you're... um, You might have found, actually, that over the last kind of two years, three years even, is it now? I'm not sure. That that has been seriously full on. Whether you're at home watching online or here today, the effect of COVID and a church plant, uh, and an interregnum, and a new vicar turning up. There's just been a lot going on, hasn't there? On top of all the ordinary stuff that normally happens in life as well. There's a lot going on. And look, one thing that I've noticed as I've got to know you all at at home or here in the building, is that actually that, that does have an effect on a church family particularly on our personal prayer, on time in God's word, and on our time with each other in home groups or gathering on a Sunday. So I want to give you this morning from, uh, from God a reason as to why you want to keep doing that, why you want to pick that baton up again and run with those basics uh, of discipleship. I want you to give, give you a reason to do it, but also one that shows you've got every confidence in succeeding. Uh, I read a slightly cynical uh, article that says apparently it takes anywhere between two months and eight months to form a new habit. That's, you know, talking about New Year's resolutions, it'll take you two months to eight months to form a new habit. But I reckon it takes you about two to eight minutes to lose a habit that you have formed. And most habits fail, apparently, because they're not realistic, because they're ill-planned, and they're without support, and um, we don't track our goals. So, I don't know what that looks like for uh, giving up chocolate is not realistic. Uh, It was ill-planned, because you've still got lots of chocolate in the cupboard. You're without support, because, um, I don't know, everyone else keeps offering you chocolate. And you don't track your goals, because it's depressing to see how many chocolate wrappers there are in the bin. But we have great hope because of this passage in front of us, that not only have we got a good God who wants us to flourish, but we have every every reason to succeed. And that is because if you are here today and you trust Jesus, then you are a new creation in Christ. You are already part of the new creation that God is pointing all history to, and you have been renewed. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 is what we're going to focus on. Look down and read that with me. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. Or if you look down at your footnote, 
or Christ, uh, that person is a new creation. It's kind of ambiguous because it's one and the same thing. You are part of the new creation that is to come if you are part of Jesus' kingdom. And you are part of the early coming of that kingdom and that new creation. And that has happened because Christ has made you new in some regard. You may not be feeling very new this morning or very shiny, like the little Christmas presents that I occasionally spot people wearing on the first Sunday after Christmas. You may not be feeling that. But you are, this morning, if you trust in Christ, a new creation and part of that glorious new creation that is to come. You are over the bridge into the kingdom, but we are not yet at that new creation fully. We are not yet at the holy city. And that creates a bit of a tension, doesn't it? Which is why we can feel like we are not a new creation. Because our experience is, is we have yet to get there. But this tells us that you are already, and you have been already, a new creation. And so it is ridiculous to live as though you are not yet over the bridge in the kingdom. This is lovely, isn't it? Because it says here, if anyone, so this is open to all of us here today, Maybe you've never heard of Jesus before. Maybe you've come to church today after a carol concert. I don't know. But this promise is for you that you might take hold of this very day the privilege of being spiritually joined to Jesus Christ and being made a whole new creation. That happens because we read down in verse 21. Can you just look down at 21? God made him, that is Jesus, who had no sin, no rebellion against God, no mess in his life. He made that person to be sin for us. So that in him, joined to him, we might become the righteousness of God. So it doesn't matter how messy your life is here today. If you receive Jesus into your life and you are joined to him by the power of the Holy Spirit, then you are made new. Your sins are forgiven. That is a wonderful truth, isn't it? Isn't that what the whole world is hoping for, is a new creation? A world that isn't going to burn up with global warming? A life that isn't going to be consumed by anxiety? A future that is definitely going to be without death, without sickness, without fear? That is what the new creation is, and that is what you have today if you have Christ. Do you see, the thing that, that's absolutely crucial for this is that you must be in Christ. Have a look again at verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. And what we just saw in verse 21, it is so that in him, in Jesus, that is where we might become the righteousness of God. We are, if we trust in Jesus and we have his spirit in us, connected to Jesus. We are in him. It is an unseen reality that changes every reality. You are either in Christ or you are not in Christ. If you are in Christ, then you are connected by a real, vital, Holy Spirit-empowered connection such that you are one with Jesus. You are identified 
with him. Now that changes everything about who you and I are, doesn't it? It changes everything about what your life and my life is for and what is appropriate and what is good. 2 Corinthians 5.15 says, He died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Do you see? It's a whole new purpose and aim and goal, isn't it? And that is because we are a new creation in Christ. And that's glorious because, first of all, we are not alone, are we? Christ is right there with us. Whether we're sleeping or awake, whether it's despair or joy, whether you are watching or, 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 sorry, whatever you are watching or listening to. But more, and I think so offensive to our culture, your life and my life is not our own. Because you are not your own. Your life is Christ's because you are joined to him. He has purchased you by his blood. He has set you free from the slavery to sin and to fear for life to the full in him. And so suddenly Colossians 3 makes perfect sense, doesn't it? In verse 17 where it says, Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. See, that's right, isn't it, to live like that? It's, it's not only correct, but it's morally right. Who you are dictates how you behave and, 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 who, and, and, um, and what you want to do and, and what you do actually end up doing, doesn't it? And so I want to remind you this morning from here, as you think of your new beginning, about who you are, who we are together. Have you forgotten that your life is Christ's? Have you started to think that your life is actually yours? Have you started to believe the war that goes on for your heart and your mind to believe that you are your own independent person? Because that is a sad thing. What's better by far is to be joined to someone so marvellous and wonderful that they would become sin even for you so that you might become the righteousness of God so that you might be the first fruits of that glorious new creation without sin, without death, without fear, only the blessing of God. If you started to forget that, then more and more you will act for yourself. It'll be harder and harder to go to bed early so you get up in the morning to spend time with Jesus in word in the word. It'll be harder and harder for you to have compassion on others and want to draw them into this glorious kingdom. It'll be harder and harder as you act for yourself to control your anger in the face of other people's interfering with your goals and your aims. All sorts of ways. You see, when you're in Christ in this way and you're a new creation, the, the illustration the Bible gives, it's like a marriage. Christ with his church, it means that we have a totally different status. It means that we have a totally different relationship. And those determine our actions. When I get married, I am a different person. I mean, I still look the same, I still smell the same, I still have the same terrible habits, 
but I am, in some way, I have a different status. I am now a husband, where before I wasn't. And that determines my actions, doesn't it? If I live as though I am not married, that is going to be a disaster for my marriage, as you can well imagine. But instead, I have a glorious new identity, and that is to be a husband where I wasn't. And so I behave in different ways. I don't know how many bouquets of flowers I've bought in Waitrose. But before I was married, I never bought flowers anywhere, least of all in Waitrose. Why would you ever buy flowers from Waitrose? The difference is, is that's all fun and nice. But the world that we live in, there is a spiritual battle going on for my heart and for my head with a culture which is trying to divorce me and to divorce you as the church from Jesus to separate us from the vine that gives us life and fruitfulness, or at the very least to make us unproductive in that relationship, simply by saying, that's too important to consider now, or perhaps we should just do the food first, or maybe we should, do you know what I mean? And so we never get to spending time with Jesus, or praying, or whatever it is. But there, it's on a losing streak, because you are a new creation, Nothing can undo that. No one can undo the fact that if you have welcomed Jesus into your life, he has made you a new creation by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so here's the good news. The way that God works is to give us the prize and then ask us to run the race. He has given us perfection in Jesus as a status. And now he asks us to live accordingly. He asks, uh, internally, we're made clean and pure, We've been sanctified in Christ, and so now we're called to be his holy people. The outside has to catch up. In New Year's resolution terms, you have already lost a stone, but now you need to give up eating the foods. Do you see how that works? Your body has given up the smoking or the drinking, and now you need to stop actually picking those things up. The old has gone. Do you see that in verse 17? The old has gone and the new is here. Note the tenses. The old pre-Christ identity and lifestyle and habits has gone already in in God's eyes as we trust in Jesus. It's not that it's going slowly as you work at it. Those things are no longer a part of who you are. Uh, Sorry, those things are no longer a part of who you are in Christ. Do you see that? They have gone. And now there's something new here. It's not that it's empty. It's not that there's a blank slate that we have to write lots of things we've done on that were great. But there's a whole new person here. Not that it's coming soon, or not if you're good enough, but your new identity, your new creation in Christ has already happened, and it is already present if you have received Jesus. It implies a massive change, doesn't it? A massive change if you didn't know Jesus in your life and now you do. And maybe you're someone here who's grown up knowing Jesus all your life. It implies that you will be massively different from the world around you. You are a little new creation. You're going to be so different from the world around you the more and more that you realize what you have in Christ. It's not a change that happens all at once. Our lives on earth are spent catching up with with this reality until we're in heaven. And our lives will match our perfect new creation selves. 
But meanwhile, we grow in our knowledge and understanding so that we may discern what is best, according to Philippians 1. Or 2 Corinthians 7, verse 1, Therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Can you see how it's an ongoing thing, that perfecting holiness? We are holy now, but now we're matching our lives up spiritually with who we are. Apparently the Queen Mother used to say to the little kids in the royal household, royal children, therefore royal manners. You see, nothing changes the fact that they're royal children, does it? No one can change that. Either they're born from royalty or they're not. But they do need to match their behaviour to who they are. And that's like us, isn't it? We are royal children in the new kingdom. We are new creations in this old creation that is passing. And so we want to live according to that. So what? Well, look, here are some steps. As you think about your new beginnings this year, I want to encourage you not to give something, not to resolve to give something up, not to resolve to take up something new, but to resolve to live as you really are, new creations in Christ. And that means, first of all, I've got a number of R's for you. You have to remember. Remember. Remember who you are, a new creation in Christ. That's the motive for wanting to change. You know, the, watching the pornography doesn't fit with who I am anymore. You know, drinking too much doesn't fit with me being a new creation anymore. Being angry doesn't fit with being a new creation anymore. So we've got to remember, do you see, that we are a new creation in Christ. That's our motive for wanting to change and change in a way that glorifies Jesus rather than doing whatever we want because we're in him. So remember, but also reflect. You've got to reflect, haven't you? What needs to change? What do I, what do, what do, I do that thing? And why do I do it so much or to that extent? Why do I feel so strongly about that particular thing or person? What doesn't match up with the reality that I am a new creation in Christ? You've got to reflect on those things, haven't you? And maybe ask someone who you know and love to say, what can you see that maybe doesn't match up with me being a new creation? That's the great thing about being in a church family, isn't it? That's the great thing about being in a home group. Because in a home group, you've got people who you know and love and trust, but, but they know you. And they can say, uh, Ed, I was just thinking about you know, the way you say these things... Maybe that doesn't match. Remember, reflect. Then you've got to repent. 2 Corinthians 7.1, it says, Therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates the body and spirit, perfecting holiness. So there's a putting off there, isn't there? And then there's a taking on the holiness, literally taking off our old clothes and putting on a whole new set. That's what we do when we repent. We turn away from what we want to do and the world tells us we should do and we turn to what Jesus says. And for most of us, that's just the basics, isn't it? In Acts 2.42, the basics of devoting yourself to the apostles' teaching, to prayer, and to gathering as church in physical person. Those are the basics. There's nothing fancy about flourishing as a Christian. Just be brilliant at the basics. Be brilliant at the basics, prayer, Bible reading, and gathering together 
It seems like weakness and foolishness to the world and sometimes to my own heart, especially on a Sunday morning at 8 o'clock. But that is the nature of the gospel, isn't it? Here's one that I have, a, a repentance thing that I've had recently. I find YouTube is really difficult. It is not edifying when I go on YouTube without an agenda. I just go on there to sort of look through videos. It's not a good thing to do. In fact, it's not in any way putting on the righteousness of God, and there's plenty on there that is not going to purify me or not make me more holy. And so I find that difficult to deal with. So instead, I delete it, and I'll try a new app for prayer or for reading the Bible. Do you see how that very simple repentance makes quite a big difference, doesn't it? So reflect, um, remember who you are, reflect, repent, uh, and then be realistic. You're not going to reach perfection in a day, but growing and perfecting over time. The good news is, though, is that you can be crazy about it. You can do crazy stuff for the Lord because he is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work in us. So you can do crazy things. Realistic should be much bigger than giving up chocolate. Uh, maybe it might just be something, be realistic, is, being, is planning. The big one is, the reason why most people tell me that I'm not really getting to my Bible or prayer is that we're tired. We're too tired to pray or to read or to get out there to be with God's people. Yeah, we are. We are all tired, aren't we? Okay, so what can we do? What realistic thing can we do or plan to do so that we're not tired, so that we've got quality time with God wherever we are? We've got the week of prayer coming up. That's a great thing to plan in, isn't it? It's a realistic thing to pick a few of those events to come and gather with God's people to pray. Finally, the last R, if you're going to reflect, sorry, if you're going to remember who you are, you're going to reflect, you're going to repent, uh, you're going to be realistic, uh, but obviously realistic with the Lord, who does amazing stuff. Be also relational. Relational. All these reminders that we're given here and commands are given to church as church families. They're not individuals, and they're given to us together. So beware of the devil's greatest trick, one of the devil's greatest trick, which is to isolate us either through suffering to keep us away from God's people, that's a classic one, or through the fact that we're a bit worried about admitting something that we want help with or prayer with, or maybe we just think actually we're done with religion and actually we're going to spend some time on our own. Beware that, because actually the devil will use fear and shame, or just I'll do it later, whatever it is, in order to separate us from one another if we're in Christ and we're all in Christ together, then we're like a million different cups all poured into one tub, aren't we? We're made to be together. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. The Bible, understandably, doesn't envisage anyone ever being on their own. Unity of the closest order that we are together in Christ. So be relational about living your life for Jesus instead of for yourself. With the basics ask each other how it's going and expect to be asked how it's going. What have you read recently? What are you praying for at the minute? 
You know, which, what are you enjoying about gathering together with God's people at home group? How is that going? Are you making it there? And if you've not managed to read something that morning, that's not a reason to avoid the subject for shame. Do you ever have that? Sometimes I feel like I can't ask someone, have you read anything great this morning from the Bible? Because I didn't read my Bible. Well, actually, that's no good. That's the time in order to ask people. Because hopefully they have and they can encourage you. We can press into it. Uh, Finally, record. Keep a track on how it's going. Log it somehow. Some Bible apps will tell you how often you're getting to your Bible and you're reading. That's a great thing. Or maybe a prayer mate that'll do the same thing. I don't know, I had an idea maybe of getting a plant and putting it in the corner of the room and only watering it when I actually get to read my Bible. It's going to be a very visual depiction, isn't it, of my spiritual dryness. I don't know, keep a track of it. Think of some way. But that is often a way that we lose uh, these new beginnings. So listen, let's remember that we are new creations in Christ. We are already a part of that brilliant new creation that is coming. And so let's behave accordingly. Let's reflect and repent. Let's be realistic about what we do and be relational and make a record of how we're doing on it. How lovely would it be as a church family if we as a church family lived as this new creation? You know, we're struggling to do that, aren't we? But imagine, you know, the more we are that new creation, the more we will shine amongst this creation that is dying. The more we do that, the more wonderful it is. And it's an exciting thought uh, what that would look like in our desire for mission, in our love for one another, in our wisdom and love for Jesus that we could pass on to the next generation. A New Year's resolution or new beginning that will not only make us flourish, but that we have already received is to resolve to live our lives in Christ. So don't resolve to give something up. Don't resolve to take up something new. Resolve to live as you are, a new creation in Christ. Let's pray that God will help us with that. Loving Heavenly Father, we are blown away that you would send your Son to become sin, even though he had no sin, for us, so that we might be this new creation not just on our own, but connected to Christ. And Lord, we so struggle to live as though that's true. Lord, we long for the day when you will come and it will all be new creation. And Lord, we will be at home. We long for that day. In the meantime, Lord, I pray for your spirit to be at work in us with this immeasurable power so that we might this new year be invigorated and filled with hope and the certainty of success as we live not for ourselves, but as we live for you. Glorify yourself amongst us as we do that, I pray. Amen. Amen.